Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode two of Through the Clouds podcast. My name is Jarrett Schienemeyer, and I'm joined alongside my co-host. Hi, I'm Ava. And we are excited to bring you episode two of our brand new podcast. Pretty exciting. I think it's pretty exciting as far. We did make it this (laughs) We actually committed to something, you know. We didn't just do a one and done. Yeah. So yeah, let's let's see where uh, this continues to go. Uh, this is episode number two. If you are just joining us for the first time this week, feel free to go back to our episode last week. It was our inaugural pilot episode. Get it? Because <laughs> we had one. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, sorry. And Still getting used to that. Yeah, exactly. Still getting used to the soundboard. Um, in this episode, we are going to be talking about, as always, our own aviation stories for the week. We have some really amazing aviation news segments coming up for you this week. We have, of course, everyone's favorite segment that I've, at least from the people I've talked to, the aviation jokes segment. We have a featured incident of the week, as well as our feature. This time, we're going to have an airport of the week instead of an, an airplane. And we'll close it out with our outro. So, yeah, that's what we got going on this week. I think we got a pretty exciting show. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, so why don't we jump right into it, Ava? What's going on in, with your own aviation stories for the week? Well, this kind of relates to both of us. Oh, really? This weekend, well, Friday night and Saturday, all day Saturday, we did an accident investigation workshop. We sure did. So, uh, basically, a guy came in from a private investigator company. And the, the, that base company, I believe, is headquartered in the Chicago area, but they also yep. have regional offices in China and South America, I believe. Yep. Um, so he came in, he uh, had a couple of presentations on the different aspects of aviation safety, you know, like the investigate, mostly the, about the investigation part, like there's the witness part, there was kind of like figuring out what happened by looking at parts of the plane. Um, it was all very interesting, I'd say, yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I um, Some of the highlights for me personally were, is we did a lot of case studies where uh, they were all incidents or accidents that the uh, the spokesperson worked on themselves and he showed us pictures from the crash site he showed us uh, for one incident he actually showed us the actual parts yeah he brought them in which i thought was cool yeah um and we would go through it and he wouldn't tell us what happened we would have to go through based on brake scat or breakage scattering the way the the parts looked the way eyewitness reports looked yep we had to go through and tell what happened pretend like we were investigators so that was really cool. Um, very interesting, I'd say. Yeah. I, so that this is through a program at Lewis University, the weekend workshop series. Um, we got a credit for it. And I would say it. I learned a lot more than just a credit's worth. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So what, what else did you got? I heard that you had quite an exciting day flying today, Ava. Yes, you almost you could have had an exciting day, too. I could have. You know, why, why don't we hear your story first, though? So basically, I at Lewis... Um, you're kind of either in like a block schedule or you're out of block schedule. So if you're in the block schedule, you are like pretty much guaranteed a plane, but it could you could still not be guaranteed a plane. Yeah, some of those reasons why you might not be given a plane um, would be I don't know maintenance if we have aircraft down yep. for maintenance, which we do. Yeah, right now, um, or maybe there is someone flying out of block that's a check ride or stage check schedule they get priority yeah or if the flight school needs to use an airplane to show for show off purposes either a demo flight or a flight team event yep so i walked up pretty much got a plane right away 
got very lucky with that, went outside, started pre-fighting the plane. I noticed that there was only one other person out there pre-fighting the plane. You, you did was, get a plane pretty early. I know I did. I was a little skeptical, and then, like, more people started walking out, so I was like, okay, you know, everyone's going to plane. It's not unusual. I mean, I woke up this morning, and the wind was only, like, what, 10 knots? Yeah, I believe it was 10 knots. So it wasn't it wasn't too bad. Um, fallen and worse. Of so course. got the plane. You know, the like, every time you try to open the door, just fling right open because of how windy it was. And, like, the parking brake was set, and the chocks were on the tires, but you could see still see the plane moving and shaking a little bit. Interesting. Okay. Um, I had to put my hair up because the wind was blowing around in my hair and it okay. was just not, not fun. Made, made it um, difficult. It huh? did make it very difficult. Okay. So then, you know, start taxiing, have to do the whole crosswind taxi stuff. Always a good thing to learn and relearn and repeat, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with the, I mean, crosswind taxiing. and most, most people might not know this. If you're not an aviation person like we are, mm-hmm. uh, there are certain techniques you have to do when taxiing in the crosswind. Uh, you want to make sure that either your elevator, what pitches you up and down, or your ailerons, what rolls you left and right, are in a certain position. That way you don't have uh, wing liftage while taxiing. Um, or even actually, uh, even on takeoff roll, we actually keep those inputs in yep. until we hit our rotation speed. And then we, we kind of get them out and take off the plane. Uh, but yeah, and, and the more windy it gets, the more pronounced they are. So like when it's, I don't know. Five knots. They teach us to do it, but most of us either forget it or just you don't even realize that you need it until the yoke is like pushing back and forth, flailing around in the plane. Exactly, and your hands aren't on it. Exactly. Um. So yeah, go to the run up area. That's where we do all like the run up checks. Basically, everything you have to do before, like immediately before taking off. Okay. Um. There's a private jet over there doing the same exact thing, pre flighting, all that fun stuff. So then taxi to the runway. The private jet ends up taxiing right behind us. That, that's always a good view. Yeah. I was really, I mean, I kind of hoped that they would have taken off first so that, we, like, I could see it taking off. But it ended up being very cool because then as after, soon as we took off, the controller told us to go to the left a little bit, told us, like, a heading to go to, and then the private jet took off right behind us. And as soon as we knew it, we looked to our right, and there the private jet was in front of us going faster, higher. It was crazy. Got to watch out for that wake turbulence. Of course, of course. Um... But yeah, anyways, was very, very windy. You know, I was thinking like, okay, it's going to calm down a little bit at 4,000 feet. It did not calm down. It did not? Okay. Whatsoever, no. Wow. It just, you know, it kept getting windier and windier. It probably even got stronger up at altitude, yeah. huh? It got windier and windier. And of course, today was a day where I had to be doing a bunch of maneuvers. Well, why don't you walk us through? What are some of the maneuvers you're doing and why do we do those maneuvers? So one of the maneuvers we do, steep turns, you know, like you kind of do that. I mean, okay, I'll start over. First maneuver you do, well, really before any maneuver you use, you do clearing turns. So it's one turn to the left and one turn to the right 90 degrees just to make sure that no one is, like, around you, near you, make sure you don't crash into anybody. Okay. And then after that, the way the because I'm preparing for my stage check. So the order that it goes in is the clearing turns, and then you start with the steep turns. So the steep turns are basically... You're turning 45-degree bank um, in one circle, one small circle. It should be not a big circle. But today, it was crazy because it was very, very windy. Even at 4,000 feet, we're going the normal 95 knots, um, maneuvering speed. And I, we, I started turning, and the wind pushed the right wing up because I was turning to the left. 
way too much. So like I thought we were gonna flip over. Wow. I mean, it was it was pretty stressful, and then like even returning like. And for uh, those of you that are at home, the, these steep turns, um, you might think when you're turning an airliner, it's pretty steep. Those are about between 25 and 30 degrees yeah. of turn. So this is a full 45 degree turn. You're, only, you're basically almost like. Yeah, you feel like you're, yeah, you're, you're going to fall out. Like, of it. I mean, yeah, if there were no out. doors, you would fall out of the plane. Yeah. You look out and you're like, oh boy, this is a little scary. And this is the maneuver that we feel the most G's. We pull about, um, it could be up to 3.2 G's yep, in the aircraft. When you're the yoke back, you know, like you need some of that back pressure to help to keep you up. You I mean, yeah, you're feeling it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely more pronounced than the small Cessna 172s <laughs> yeah. we fly here at Lewis. Yeah. Okay, um, so you did some steep turns. Uh, yeah, the wind you... was very scary. Okay, right. It was scary. Uh, what, what are some other things you did today? Um, after that, we went into slow flight, which is basically as slow as you can go without the airplane stalling. Okay. Um, so they try to keep you between 55 and 60 knots. When we were going against the wind, the ground speed on the plane said we were going 21 knots. And um, I, I don't mean to one up you, Ava. Oh boy! But Here we go. Uh, there was one time I was flying uh, in the fall semester that it was not very windy on the ground. I would say calm winds, five yeah. six knots. But when you got up at altitude, the winds were actually quite strong that day, and they were they were a steady strength. So unlike today, it where, like where it was gusting, yeah. so in between, so. The, the winds that you usually feel when you're aloft are the gusts because all of a sudden you have a steady stream of air and all mm -hmm. of a sudden, boom, it hits you, jolts the plane around a little bit, and then it goes back to the steady stream. So when the winds are really sometimes really strong and there is a steady stream of airflow, it feels relatively smooth even though we might have 40, 50 mile per hour winds. And that was, this, that was the case I'd that day. I almost prefer that over yeah, today. A hundred percent. Um, because honestly, it doesn't really affect you um, because it's always it's steady streamlined. It just affects your speeds. And that was doing slow flight. And we got so close to flying backwards that day. Yeah. And I used, we I were at we, yeah, we were at one knot, one knot. That is just insane. Yeah, that is around one mile an hour. And that, that's, of course, flying across the ground. Because of the wind so strong, we have the same amount of wind flowing over our wings. So our speed relative to, like, the wind is still the same as if there were no wind that day and we yep. had the correct throttle settings. But our speed over the ground by distance traveled was that yeah. one knot. Yeah, so, I mean, it's it's crazy how that how that works. Like, you could literally be going backwards in a plane. Yeah, exactly. And some people did. I wish yeah. I was one of those people. I was unfortunately, I haven't gotten part of that club yet. <laughs> but yeah, um, that was pretty cool. After that, um, you kind of, so the order is steep turns and then slow flight right into power off stalls. I do not like stalls. Um, I mean, <laughs> that that okay. makes two of us. I understand why we practice them. 100%. I completely understand why we practice them. Um, I'm just kind of paranoid now after we did that workshop. Especially for power on stalls because like that's what you use to get into a spin. Not a great idea to do an accident investigation workshop and then fly immediately afterwards. Seriously, the next day. Like the next morning I did that. Exactly. You know, I mean, whatever though. You're just an overachiever, but what else is new? Yeah. So basically um, went into a power off stall yesterday morning when I flew, the plane did not want to stall. Today, on the other hand, the plane did want to stall. Which made it a lot easier for me, made my arm less sore from having to pull back. <laughs> of course. Um, but 
yeah, did that power off stall. And then right after that was a power on stall. So for those of you that don't really know much about stalls, power off stall is kind of simulating a stall when you're landing. So basically, you know, like you're going your 65 knots when you're approaching your landing and you pull that power to idle and then you kind of pull the nose up a little bit and that's when you can stall if you're going too slow. Right, and that's when we have, you know, our flaps are yeah. out. If you're in a um, retractable gear aircraft, your gear would be down. Of yeah. course, in our aircraft, we don't have retractable <laughs> gear. 172s. But yeah, exactly what Ava said. Uh, she did a really good job explaining it. We're just coming to land and or simulating coming yeah. into land. And then after that was the power on stall. Um, and then the usual. I mean, some flight instructors like to kind of play a trick on you when they pull your engine or pull your throttle back to idle, I should say. I know my, my instructors are always that way. My instructor does not, I mean, normally just is like, okay, time to do like engine out procedures. I'm okay. like, okay, great. And then I pull my own engine. Today, I was, I mean, of course I was expecting it because I knew the order of the stage check, but he, he just pulled it. He made the radio call in the practice area that he, that we're going to do an engine out procedure. And then he just pulled it. Okay. So, I mean... It wasn't terrible, you know, like we basically did a rectangular course or ground reference maneuver, even though he said we weren't going to do any. <laughs> but I mean, with the wind, it was kind of crazy. And then after we did one of those, we flew to an uncontrolled airport because I have never flown out of an uncontrolled airport before. So I've never had to make those like radio calls, those types of radio calls, which I mean, I got to say, it's nice not having anyone talk back to you. Yeah, 100%. And once again, for those of you at home that may not be uh, aviation savvy, and yeah. you are learning so much for our, from our podcast, yeah, really. which is actually our, our goal. You can get your private by now. Exactly. Um, we, they're un, contrary to popular opinion and belief, there are two different types of airport. Well, actually, there's many different classes of airports. But for simplistic use today, yes. there are two different types of airports, controlled and uncontrolled. So most, but not all, of the air, or airports that commercial airplanes fly into will be controlled. And then there are some that are also uncontrolled, which means there's no air traffic control tower. Pilots make position reports to tell you, tell the traffic around yep. where they're coming from, what air, what runway they're landing. And yeah, so instead of having someone tell you what to do, you, you have to make... tell other people what you're doing. And you have to make those decisions all yourself. Yep. So we did... Two landings, full stop. So we stopped, we taxied back, and then took off again. We made, or we did both of those landings. They were crosswind landings, so the wind was coming kind of the side of us. So, I mean, I've practiced those before, so I, I knew what to do, which was nice. So, like, when it came to me making the radio calls, I wasn't, like, freaking out doing two things I've never done before. That's good. Um, but, so we did that, took off again. We're kind of like, you know, probably not the best idea to be doing more. And by that time, it was already like almost one o'clock. And my flight block ends at one thirty, so like we had to get back. Um, we get about like three miles away from the uncontrolled airport. And he pulls my engine again. So I was like, okay, great. And as he pulls my engine, what he does to distract me is he show we flew over his house. Oh. So he showed me his house. So I was looking down, to, like I was looking under the left of me. Interesting. And then he pulled my engine, and I was like, "Okay, I mean, it's kind of funny, because okay. like, I don't know, he has a kid, and so his kid was at the house. He was kind of cute. He was like, "Hi, baby." I was like, "Oh, that's cute." Okay. And then I got distracted, 
And then, like, he just pulled the engine. I was like, great. That's good. I got, yeah. I got some good engine yeah, out stories. Yeah, you do. Um, some of mine include... Um, you get distracted, like you get distracted and tricked very easily. I do, yeah. I, I'm. I, I don't want to say I'm pretty gullible, but I'm pretty gullible. Yeah. Um, Adam Sadek, shout out to him. He's one of the uh, <laughs> flight instructors here at Lewis. Uh, he helped me a lot during my private training, and he, um, we were flying along one time. We were. He was kind of going over all the maneuvers with me. And I was just repracticing them to get a little bit more proficient. And he says, "Oh, I just dropped my pen. Any chance you could pick it up for me?" <laughs> And I like I put my head down to go to do it. He pulls the power. He pulls the engine power. And he goes, "Oh, your engine just failed. What's going to happen now?" And obviously, I have to go and do my simulated landing in a field. And then after I did it, he goes, "You know, you're pretty gullible. I don't even have a pen in the aircraft with me." <laughs> <laughs> um, and then another one was same same guy, Adam. He um, he pulled my engine power. This time it was a little bit more. We were just flying. He pulled it. I, yeah. Um, and, but then he started acting all crazy. He like pretended being a, a passenger Ooh. that was all scared. And he said, he was like grabbing my arm and he was like, ah, I'm so <laughs> scared. What am I supposed to do? Because I mean, that's, that's pretty realistic. If you've got someone that's never flown in a small engine, yeah, before, they're gonna be small out. airplane, they're going to be freaking out. I would say that taught me a lot that day, but pretty funny. Always, always fun flying with Adam. Yeah. Um, so yeah, anyways, back to what I was talking about. Kind of the last thing started or went back to the airport um, was right traffic. So if you don't know, basically there's left and right traffic. So there's left traffic for when you're on the left side of the runway. There's right traffic when you're on the right side of the runway and then you're going to turn and then do another turn and land. So we were told to go into right traffic. No, sorry, left traffic. My bad, left traffic. Okay. Starting at left traffic. And then... We ended up having to do a go-around because the plane in front of us was going to do a go-around, but then they decided not to, so they slowed down. They are going slow. Controller told them to like kind of increase their takeoff or their landing roll so that we could land right behind them, but they did not. So we had to quickly do a go-around and then turn. We had to do a 360 for spacing, and then we could land. Okay. Yeah. Um, the landing today wasn't as good as the one yesterday. I will say that. But, you know, with 30 knots of wind. I think you have a good... Did you land the aircraft completely? Yes, I did. Wow. Very impressive, Ava. Yeah. Um, that, that deserves a round of applause from right. our I feel like you were studio just audience. Waiting for that. Yeah, that you is... You also pressed the wrong button. No, we actually don't have any applause, so that's the closest thing we got. Oh. Yeah. That's we might have to add those. Yeah. Anyways. So, yeah. Anything, I mean, anything else from your flight today? I don't know. I mean, I, I, do, I do just have to brag a little bit about yesterday's, okay, yesterday's why, why landing. Why don't you share? Yesterday's landing was amazing. We both had to look down at the ground to make sure that we were actually on the ground after it landed. That's how smooth it was. And I don't want to get cocky, but mm-hmm. you I don't want to get say cocky. It was a very good landing. Well, we are very proud of you here. Thank you. Of course. Yeah. So yeah. Onto, onto your stuff. Well, I'm going to be honest. My uh, flying has not been quite as adventurous as you. <laughs> <laughs> I um, went and started out the plane today. We are about to taxi out and determined that the winds were too high because we were about, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes after Ava took off and the winds picked up exponentially within that time period. Um, we rechecked the weather, decided it was a good idea to go out, ended up returning, did some ground. 
But yeah, otherwise I'm getting ready for my instrument written written test. I'm trying to take it before Easter. Not quite sure how plausible that is. I mean, it could happen. It could happen. Um, and then otherwise, yeah, just just kind of gonna try to hammer it out. So yeah, I think we're doing good Sir, on that. I was checking the date. I was like, what day is it? <laughs> it is but, yeah. March twentieth right now. I will say, like, I found that I've definitely compared to other students. I want to say. I've definitely been taking advantage of my block times and like you making sure I'm done flying. A tremendous job. We were the first people out today for the block and the last people in. Yeah, and I was I was so far behind you because I was the computer put me in ops request today. Oh really? Yeah. I was wondering. I was like, I yeah. I was like, yeah, why because is he not they on a plane they yet? went to go hand me a binder to grab a plane, and I would have been up actually with you at that yeah. time. Um, and they. Uh, so that the computer had a malfunction. I was not on the schedule and I had to wait. Needless to say, there weren't that many people flying today, so I got yeah. a plane, no problem. But <laughs> well, I didn't end up using it, I guess. You had a plane for a while. Yeah, that's what we got going on. Um, we do have two shout-outs to make. Yes. Uh, we received some emails this week over at ttcloudspodcast at gmail.com. The first one is from Katrina, which is who lives in Chicago. Hi, Katrina. Hello, Katrina. Uh, and she asked us, uh, how come we have to turn on airplane mode when we are flying? That's a very good so question. It is a very good question because, you know, some people just don't turn on airplane mode. Yeah, and it really drives me crazy. And they're like, they just think like, oh, like whatever, it's not a big deal. It, yeah. could, it could be a big deal. Yeah, so uh, actually up until 2013, cellular devices were not even permitted to be on during flight you had to have them turned off and stowed away as most like laptops are during takeoff and landing nowadays and nowadays the reason why those takeoff and landings um have to be or the the large electronics have to be stowed is for you know the battery usage you don't want you you're sitting on your laptop all of a sudden a big turbulence hits your computer goes up flies around the cabin battery gets punctured punctured and then the fire starts that's that's the main reason i was more worried about someone getting hit yeah you know okay so the airplane mode was added to the u.s regulations in 2013 um and it prevents interference from signals so airplane mode stops devices from emitting any form of radio signal and these can cause electromagnetic interference with aircraft systems electronics or communications the biggest uh thing here is uh modern day aircraft as well as old day aircraft are all built the same and they use frequent radio frequencies for navigational use for radio use, obviously. So, I mean, I, and I, when I say navigational use, I really mean like everything, yeah. all of our approaches, departure procedures in route things, even if it's GPS, it's still using some sort of, I mean, besides GPS that just use purely satellites, which some of them are, but a lot of our localizers, DME, VOR, I mean, I know these are all aviation terms, but they're all things that are ground reference aids that all use radio frequency. And the radio frequency that those are at, as well as the radio frequency that our phone uses, are in the relatively same category numbers-wise on megahertz. And what happens is 
the when a cell phone signal gets weaker, aka when you go up in altitude, because obviously there's no cell towers at thirty five thousand feet. Darn it! Uh, it uses other radio signals to try to piggyback and get to wherever it needs to go for to get a signal. And one of the first signals that are active at those altitudes are those from the aircraft. Uh, so, yeah, so this is just your friendly reminder. Please turn on airplane mode when you go on the flight. Even if you think, well, this is a brand new 787 that's going to take me from Chicago all the way to London. You know, my little cell phone should not really interfere with the aircraft at all. It can cause significant damage. Um, and that's one of the big things that there, I mean, you might have heard in the news about the 5G um, affecting aircraft. Uh, it's along the same thing, except for that one. You don't even need airplane mode turned on for it to interfere it's the cell towers that are starting to interfere with the aircraft yeah so yeah this is just another big thing if you think the cell towers that could be miles away are interfering with aircraft now imagine multiple cell phones in the back of the aircraft on the same thing that the radio frequencies from the aircraft are coming out can cause a lot of trouble and i will say i mean i'm just kind of speaking personally about this like i don't really go on my phone during a flight anyways and i notice a lot of people don't as well so when it becomes an issue with these people refusing to put their phones on airplane mode i don't get the big deal yeah and not only that a lot of people think along those lines if i just don't use my phone i don't have to turn in airplane mode yeah and your phone is actively seeking unless it's completely turned off unless it is yeah exactly the only exception to that is if your phone is completely turned off then it yeah don't turn it on airplane mode it's not going to do anything also in case you did not know if you have your phone in airplane mode while it's charging, it charges a lot faster. Yeah, and also if you're trying to see a battery, put it in airplane yes. mode. Because the reason why what airplane mode does, is like, like we said, it, it turns off all radio frequency transmitters. and It basically your phone slows your phone down. Exactly. Your phone is constantly looking for a signal. Yep. Even if it's already connected, it's still looking for a better signal, and that drains your battery quickly. You know what I think quickly. we should talk about one of these podcasts? Mm. The conspiracy between do your phones or like with, with do your phones listen to you when they're off? That'd be interesting. Yeah. Like I want, I just, you know, I don't know. I've always been interested in that because like. Do they? I don't know. Because sometimes I get ads for things I've been talking about. Of course you do the sound. Do they listen? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, know, uh, that was Katrina from Chicago. Thank you for yeah. your question. Hopefully, we answered it. Uh, yeah. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us at ttcloudspodcast at gmail.com. And then the next one's from Ramona Sweeney. Ramona asks for us to talk about UFOs. Have we seen any UFOs while flying? And they ask, she asks us, asks us if we can talk a little bit about UFOs. I personally have not seen a UFO while flying, Ava. I do not think I have, but, you know, it can be defined as many different things. Exactly. So the common misconception is that a UFO equals aliens. aliens yeah. Uh, but that's not the case. Ava, why don't you tell us a little bit more about UFOs? So basically, a UFO is a unidentified flying object, which can be perceived as many different things for many different people. Um, for us, we were just talking about this before the podcast, we were like, Planes, there are, air, there are airplanes without ADSB, which is basically tracking on the plane. So when you look up, and then let's say like you're a nerd like us and go on flight radar afterwards and you don't see it, that's basically an unidentified flying object. Exactly. And if you're if it's you're at a high altitude, 
and there is something flying above you at a higher altitude that does not have a tracker on it, and you cannot pick pick out what that is. It's easier for us on the ground when a plane's coming yeah. in. We can be like, oh, that's a Cherokee that just doesn't have tracking. Yeah. But the higher up it is, the more unidentifiable it is and gets proceeded into the UFO category. Yeah. So, I mean, you can think what you want. Like, I personally have not seen one. I don't know. Especially with aliens on it. Yeah, and um, but there are some very unexplainable yes. unidentified flying I, objects. Yes. Uh, there was the 2021 ODNI report, which was that big report that the U.S. Air Force, Navy, and other military flying committees uh, released all of their report um, that they were unable to identify after heavy surveillance, which included 143 objects. 18 of these objects featured unusual movement patterns or flight characteristics that no aircraft today that they know of could um, could fly today. So the report even stated these steps are resource intensive and require additional investment. However, the report listed no findings of extraterrestrial life. A.K.A. aliens. <laughs> exactly. So... Are there aliens? We're not sure, but we can talk about the UFOs. We haven't seen any yet. Maybe we will see some someday, but most often I'll be on, I'll be, I'll be on the lookout. They are unexplainable. Yes. Okay, Ava, do you know what time it is? I, I, I think I do. Okay. Well, but I think you should tell everyone. Okay, I'll tell everyone. It is time for your Through the Clouds podcast aviation news segment. I am your host, Jarrett, alongside with my co-host, Ava. And we are here to report on the last week's newest aviation findings in the news category. Ava, aviation, Ava, why don't you quickly summarize uh, some of the things we got going on here? All right. So I find this a little bit ironic. We're going to start off with one. So a couple days ago, there was a FAA summit, basically addressing rising safety concerns following the whole like American United near collision on the runways at an airport. Um, the day after this, the day after this, at the Hollywood Burbank Airport in California, two different aircrafts, a Bell helicopter and a Southwest 737, had near collision. So I'll kind of explain it. I'll give a little background on this. So the Southwest 737 was on approach to the airport. And on the same runway, a Bell helicopter was doing touch and goes. Okay. Just getting its practice in, you know, the usual. Interesting. Yeah. And the uh, air traffic controller cleared the Southwest plane to land on the runway. Little did they know that the helicopter was also already on the runway. So... Last minute, the controller told Southwest Plane to do a go-around. They did the go-around, luckily. Nobody got hurt. Nothing bad happened. Um, just kind of goes to show how close you can be to something bad happening. Not saying flying is a bad thing at all. Of course. Of course not. But, I mean, it's pretty it's pretty ironic how that happens a day after a summit. Exactly. Addressing similar yeah. concerns. Yeah, there's, there has been a rise in runway incursion in near yeah. miss incidents in the United States. Um, and many people are asking, when will they stop? Why do they keep happening? Um, is there just 
were these always happening? Is there just an increased awareness now, now that they're getting reportive? That's no one idea. aspect that I have um, that it's I think is that just like the news is now reporting more of them. But at the same time, I think we're also receiving a higher than normal amount just due to complacency. People feel like aviation is safe. Pilots are getting a little bit more complacent with these. They're feeling a little bit more comfortable. And so are controllers. Uh, exactly. Air yeah. traffic control is just as much the blame as the pilots on this side. Of course, we don't. I mean, usually the pilots are the ones that get And no hate flack. against either. Uh, exactly. You know, they're busy. Uh, everyone's busy. Everyone's busy. Stressful mis- jobs. And you have to remember, if you're working in the business world and you make a mistake on a Excel sheet or you make a mistake in a business conference and you say one wrong thing, Somebody might cut you on it or they might, you know, their your, your mistake is not fatal. If an air traffic controller uses one wrong word during a clearance, it can be fatal. So, yeah. The, yeah. So, I mean, before criticism gets thrown, it's important to view these jobs with a microscope. Yep. Definitely. And that, so that was, we're, we're talking about the rises. The NTSB, the National Transportation Safety Board, has released the preliminary investigation notes for the February 16th, 2023 incident between a American Airlines 737-800 and an Air Canada Rouge A321 in Sarasota, Florida. This preliminary report was released this week and is the preliminary findings to the incident that happened. For those of you that don't know, uh, just a little bit of background on the incident. Uh it was in Sarasota, Brandonton Airport, American Airlines Flight 2172, a Boeing 737, was cleared to land on the same runway as Air Canada Rouge 1633, an Airbus A321, was cleared to take off. There were no injuries, no damage to either aircraft. The NTSB's examination of radar data shows that American Airlines was on a visual approach to runway 14 when communications were established. The local controller or tower controller cleared Air Canada Rouge for takeoff on runway 14 with instructions to fly runway heading, as well as letting them know that uh, that the American Airlines aircraft was on a three-mile final inbound to the aircraft. Uh, About 13 seconds later, the American Airlines flight was issued in a traffic advisory from the tower saying that Air Canada Rouge was departing 14 prior to their arrival. However, Air Canada Rouge was confused about the departing departure heading. They asked for a reconfirmation. Um, the tower told them to fly runway heading. And then as Air Canada Rouge began their takeoff role, the American Airlines pilots informed the controller they were executing a pilot-induced go-around. Um, then they were told to turn to the right to avoid the Air Canada Rouge aircraft. And looks like they got about 0.6 miles apart from each other, which in the sky is not very far away. From no, it's other. really not. Like when you were saying that they were three miles from the airport, it might seem like a lot in a smaller plane. It, I mean, it's pretty okay it's A distance. three mile final is pretty typical, though, still yes. for a takeoff clearance. Yep. Uh, for those of you that don't know, because we're s- saying that these are short distances, it's, yeah. it's still normal. It's still like you don't have much decision time after that. It's not as long as you think. Like, it doesn't take 20 minutes to get there. Like, it, it, it's fast. I mean, exactly. You're going fast. Um, anything can happen in that time. Yeah. So, really, it's just kind of the pilots did a really good job being aware of their surroundings, knowing what to do. Seemed pretty good trained. But, yeah, happy yeah. that and the only reason nothing worse happened. That the, um, 
that there is a report being investigated because the FAA regulations state that aircraft are not allowed to be less than one mile apart from each other. Yep. And that is what happened in this case. Yep. yep. Nobody was hurt. There were no emergency Top Gun Maverick maneuvers used to avoid this near miss, as some reporters are calling it. It was just an incident that occurred and needs to be investigated. Okay, Eva, do you got anything else for us? Um, I do. This, I mean, I have not flown Frontier Airlines ever, so I'm not going to go on, like, hating them, hating on them or anything. I'm going to be honest. Out of the ultra low-cost carriers in America, I would say Frontier is probably my favorite. Yeah. I Okay. Honestly, the thing I like most about them has nothing to do with type of aircraft, aircraft they fly or, like, their reputation or anything. I just like that they put animals on their tails. And they name the animals. It is a high likability factor. Yes. I remember being at the Fort Lauderdale parking garage on the roof, like on the rooftop floor. And I ran to the edge just to see the parrot that was on the back of one of the frontier tails. Of course. I took a picture of it. I do not remember the name of the parrot. But Uh either way. Anyway, what's going on with Frontier? So they decided to cut 14 routes. Um, so you might think like, yeah, these are like not important routes. Some of these routes might be important, especially if you're from Chicago and you're looking to fly from Fort Lauderdale back to Chicago, that flight will be canceled along with Fort Lauderdale, Fort Lauderdale, Phoenix, LaGuardia to Miami. Um, you got Orlando to Rochester International Airport, Philadelphia to Phoenix, and Boston Logan to Miami. And just a reminder. There are a couple other ones too, but. Just a reminder for uh, the listeners at home, routes are classified as to and from. So um, even though we might be saying Fort Lauderdale to Midway, for example, the reverse of that will also be yep. canceled. Yep. So, I mean. Quite unfortunate news, especially for the yes. Frontier Airlines crew. Yeah. And especially as we're coming into the summer. I mean, this is usually. We hear of a lot of route reductions for the fall and winter months, yes, which is it's expected. Like, it's spring break season. It's summer. This is Frontier's summer. busiest travel right season, now. and they're cutting routes. Yeah. Now, Ava, does it say why these routes were cut? Is it airplanes, pilots, or just did they just cancel it's them? It's because of they're not getting enough people on these routes. Inter- really? Yes. Well, you would think that more people would, like, it's just, I guess, more Lauderdale's not um, Frontierland. I know. I like Fort Lauderdale, though. Yeah. Yeah, Fort Lauderdale's a good airport. But there, that just shows that there's stiff competition with other carriers. Yes, there is. But, you know. Because it's by no means people aren't trying to go to Fort Lauderdale because lots of people go to Fort Lauderdale. Definitely. And Miami. Yeah. Even Phoenix, too. Like Exactly, yeah. Philadelphia to Phoenix, I feel like they could be a popular flight. Yeah, they do compete. Especially nonstop. They do compete pretty heavily with American Airlines on that route, yeah. though, because both Philadelphia and Phoenix are American hubs. I just find this to be a little crazy at the timing these airlines are deciding to decrease their flights. Um, I heard just the other day we were talking about this. So Allegiant only serves flights to Fort Lauderdale. Well, to and from Fort Lauderdale and Appleton, which is near where we're from, Appleton, Wisconsin. They only do it in the summer through October, which seems a little weird because you'd think in the winter most Wisconsinites would want to go somewhere warmer. Exactly. Just for like a week. 
But, you know, Allegiant does not offer that service right now, which is kind of sad and unfortunate. I mean, in talking more on the canceled flights, yeah. Delta announced oh, no. today and both yesterday and today that they are canceling over 6,000 flights from their summer schedule coming up. Yes, just to be clear, these are not routes. These are flights. Correct. So Singular flights. We're seeing almost, uh, I believe, nearly 30 routes, though, canceled um, as well as some just like intermittent flights that are going to be canceled. Um, four routes are going to be completely canceled in June with intermittent flights canceled in between. You can expect um, LaGuardia and uh, to be canceled flights to Dallas, Lovefield, Minneapolis, and Escanaba, Michigan. And from Detroit, we can expect flights to be canceled from Alpena, Iron Mountain. Uh, which is quite interesting as well as uh, they also added some routes. Yeah. 34 routes will see increased frequencies, while 84 routes will have reduced frequencies. One of the increased frequencies, big ones, is Los Angeles to Atlanta. Okay, that's a yeah, pretty big one. that is. Yeah, it looks like Detroit to Destin um, is also Ooh. being added. Um, as I'm well, interested. I'm intrigued. As well as um, a flight that I've never... Heard, did not would not have heard before. They're adding Escanaba, Michigan, to Iron Mountain, Michigan. That's interesting. I'm just I'm still stuck on the Detroit to Destin. I I, I really want to fly there. But if we think about the Escanaba and Iron Mountain, I mean, we're kind of from the area, so that's why we're having a heightened focus on it. Um, I mean, they're not that far from. The Wisconsin, they're, they're right across the Wisconsin they're border. Just across the pond. Just exactly. <laughs> well, no, they're in the UP yeah. area. But if we're seeing, I mean, Iron Mountain to Escanaba, what's that going to be, a 20-minute flight? I mean, it's a long drive because there's not many roads between it, but it, it's not far. But, I mean, that's like taking a Chicago flight to Milwaukee. Yes, but the difference here is that Escanaba nor Iron Mountain sees much Delta service. They get maybe two, three flights a day. Yeah. So a flight in between the two, here's my theory. The flight in between the two is going to be an extension to from Detroit or Minneapolis. So we're going to see Detroit to Escanaba to Iron Mountain drops off passengers in Iron Mountain first, then drops off passengers in Escanaba, vice versa. We'll go Escanaba to Iron Mountain, pick up passengers in Iron Mountain, and then go Iron Mountain back to Detroit. That's my theory here. Yeah. I could see it happening. Smart. Yeah, that'd work. Otherwise, some just quick facts about other news happening this week. JFK broke ground on a new Terminal 6. Um, it is expected to provide many millions of dollars to the New York area, as well as cost many millions of dollars. And it was a very busy St. Patrick's Day for Ireland. They saw a 46% increase in tourism. Wow. Congratulations, Ireland. Good for them. Okay. Ava, what do we got going on next year? Well, I'd say the best part of the podcast are the jokes. <laughs> Sorry, just had to. Okay, I'll start this off. Okay, I'm ready. I'm really excited about this one. Okay. Please don't think this is a terrible joke because okay. it's really good. But anyways, why don't ducks tell jokes when they fly? I don't know. How come? Because they would just quack up. <laughs> that was, that <laughs> was, that was like, a pretty good one. <laughs> they just quack up. <laughs> well, I mean, I haven't seen many ducks on airplanes, though. Is there a hidden duck airplane market? Maybe. That we don't know of? Maybe. Wow. Okay. Maybe we should quack the case. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
That was, that was an unplanned joke. That yeah, was that pretty was. good. Okay, Eva, you ready for a joke? When you are flying planes, never forget the perfect record that pilots have in the sky. Yeah. We never left one up there yet. <laughs> that was a good one. Thank you. All right, you got a joke now? I do. Okay. What noise did the 747 make when it bounced on the runway? Hmm. I don't know. Boeing, Boeing, Boeing. <laughs> that was a pretty good one, not going to lie. That's a classic for me. Boeing, Boeing, Boeing. Okay, one last one. What flavor ice cream does a pilot always order? What? It's not chocolate. It's not cookie dough. It's not Rocky Mountain or Superman. It's just plain. It's like my bagel joke that I always tell everyone. Oh. Well, what's the bagel joke? What type of bagel flies? What? A plain bagel. So you say that one's not good. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just had it's a tradition to for the last joke there to always, always has be, to be one. and it's always my joke too. I'm sorry. Well, I guess I'll just have to be the, la- we'll the last joke next time. Yeah. Okay, Ava, we got about 15 minutes left in the podcast here. Why don't you tell us a little bit about... Yeah, we'll have to summarize this because we we talk too much. But that's totally good. Yeah. Why don't you tell us about the featured incident of the week? Right. So, we have an incident. I don't really know how to start this. Anyways, okay. Tenerife, airport disaster. I'm sure some might have heard of it before. KLM and... Pan-American Airways. Pan-Am, for short. Basically, we had two planes, big planes, 747s, um, collided with each other on the runway. So, this was not a normal day whatsoever for any of these people on these planes. They were diverted from the original destination because of a bomb that got set off in the airport. So they were diverted to Tenerife Airport. Um, they sat there for they sat there for a while. The one of the planes was needed fuel, so the other plane was kind of stuck in between the airport and this plane that needed fuel. Two hours later, they were finally both able to take off. But some miscommunication happens. Basically, when you're talking with ATC and two people are talking at the same time, it comes out kind of as nothing. Or, like, it cuts someone else off. So there was a whole miscommunication. Um, KLM took off while Pan, while the Pan Am 747 was still on the runway. This happened because the KLM plane, or the pilots, mistakenly thought that they were cleared to take off because of the controller's previous calls so that they were cleared. But then, after that... The controller tried telling them to say standby, but then the Pan Am pilot started talking to the controller while they were trying to say that. So basically, this ended with the planes colliding on the runway. One flew over the other one. Um, Sadly, everyone on the KLM flight died. And then 61 people survived on the Pan Am flight, one being the co-pilot. In total, 583 fatalities have occurred. 
And that was your excellent investigation report on the Tenerife air disaster. It's very well, I mean, I'd say it's pretty well known. It is one of the better known very sad. incidents. Or actually, this one is an the, accident. One of the largest fat- fatality. Yeah, rates. it actually it remains um, one. Yeah, it remains. Not the, not the largest, but No, because the largest one was the one we reported on last time. Yeah. But not by many people. It is known, however, as um, one of the worst air disasters in aviation history uh, and the um, biggest um, collision ever. Yes. Also, a little shout out to air disasters on the Smithsonian Channel. Um, They made an episode about it. Go watch it. Very good. Very interesting. It is very good. Um, I don't know if I have anything else to add about this one. It was just an an insane. Unfortunate series of events, though. Exactly. Terrorist attack one. Yep. First unfortunate event. Second, because the Tenerife Islands are so far from everywhere else. Yes. And this is the 1970s. There was no other diversion factor. So all of the aircraft, not just these two, had a divert to the small airport that was had not like used. two controllers or something. Yeah, they're used to general aviation traffic, so yep. little little Cessnas and Pipers. They're not used to commercial flights, so that that's the second unfortunate thing. Yes. Third, fog rolls around. Yeah, uh, heavy, dense fog. Low you can't visibility. see more than a hundred feet in front of you at the time. Yeah. Fourth, they just got fully fueled up. So there was lots of explosive fuel, lots of fire, lots and of these flames. are both 747s. So, I mean, these can hold almost a million pounds of fuel, or actually more than a million pounds of fuel. I will say one big factor that I won't say completely causes accident, but did play a role in it, was the stress that the pilots had following the whole issue with the fuel, the diversion, all of it. Passengers were getting mad. Pilots were worried because they were on a time schedule. They wouldn't be able to leave if they, like, left too late because they were restricted on hours. Um, so the stress of it all kind of caused everyone to be a little riled up, caused miscommunication, um, minimal understanding between the pilots and controllers. So it all was just a very unfortunate accident. And as we report with all of our um, incident and accident investigations, some of the um, fixes that were yep. caused due to this event um, was... The formation of a radar system uh, inside air traffic control towers. That was one of the major things that there yeah. there was no radar system in the air traffic control tower because radar was not widely available. Um, some other things that were um, taken on where use of uh, standard phraseology is now a requirement across pilots and air traffic controllers because that was one of the things they just said we're ready for takeoff instead of saying like ready for departure at runway, yada, yada, yada. They were using kind of very, what's the word, comfortable, um, like kind of slang language during the uh, controller handoffs. I Um, think they were just trying to be as quick as they could to get out of there. Yeah, exactly. And then the last thing was runway visibility requirements were then also increased after this accident. So, yeah, that was that accident. We'll move on to... You did a good job reporting on that one. Yeah, and move on to airport. I'm ready. So our featured airport for the week is our very own Chicago's Midway International Airport. It is one of the busiest um, airports in the United States. It is the second busiest airport in Chicago, and uh, it opened in 1923 for airmail flights to the Chicago area. 
1931, a passenger terminal was opened, and it was the world's busiest with over 100,000 passengers and 61,000 flights. And Chicago's primary airport. Exactly. Um, It was known as the mile-by-mile square because of its square design, which still plays in today as it is inside the major um, neighborhood of Midway. Yeah. Um, in 1949, the airport was renamed from Chicago Airport to the Battle of Midway Airport, or slang to Chicago's Midway Airport. Obviously, it was renamed after the Battle of Midway, as well as runways were added. Um, when O'Hare was constructed in 1963, around that, um, it was then became Chicago's secondary airport, and not many flights went out of it. They only ran about 24 flights a day. Then ATA Airlines comes on in and ends up taking over the airport. But then they ended up actually foreclosing and filing for bankruptcy in 2008. And that's when we hear Southwest Airlines comes in and takes over the airport. Um, And now Southwest Airlines carries almost 17 million passengers a year out of it. Uh, yeah, and it becomes one of the busiest airports within the United States now. In and Southwest's biggest hub. Yeah, one of the, yeah one of Southwest's yep. biggest hub. Um, it sees traffic from Allegiant, Avalo, Delta, Frontier, Porter, Southwest, and Volaris, with the busiest destination city being Denver, Colorado, domestically, and Cancun, Mexico, Ooh. internationally. Good places. Yeah, 100%. And, yeah, that is – it has also seen quite a few incidents and accidents over the years, Uh, the most most recently being in 2005 when an airplane landed, went through the airport fence, and ended up in the middle of an intersection, killing, unfortunately, a young boy in the back of a car that the airplane crushed. That's really sad. It is really sad. That is Chicago's Midway International Airport. Yeah, I will say – I've only been in Midway a handful of times. Every time I'm there, I try to make sure to look at all of the history that there is in that airport about the Battle of Midway. Um, they have some good planes in there, too, hung up. Basic, it carries a lot of history. It sure does. Um, they do a good job at like showing why it's named Midway, um, giving all the background and history on that. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, and it is just absolutely Southwest Haven out there. Yeah. Um, every flight seems to be we have, yeah. Southwest Airlines based. We get a lot of Southwest planes flying right over us. Yeah, that's true. The approach path yep. goes right over Lewis University. So, And um, in the coming weeks, we will be able to have a report on Midway's airport operations as we are going to go over and tour the airport for a club that we are both a part of. I can't remember exactly what date. That the midway tour is, oh. but it is sometime either I can't remember. It's either towards the end of March or in the middle of April. So we will give you a status update on what yeah. the airport operations at Midway's are. Yeah. Midway is like yeah, good airport. It is a good airport. Good so, choice. do you have anything else to add, David? I do not. Okay. Well, the show notes this week are going to be a little brief because I guess we didn't have much to say. We'll include a link down to the Tenerife air disaster as well as a little bit more history about Chicago's Midway Airport. 
Uh, and then, as always, please, 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 please feel free to contact us at TTC or sorry, TT Clouds Podcast at gmail.com. Send us your questions. And of course, please send us your jokes. We are dying to hear some <laughs> of your jokes. Aviation related jokes, though. Yes, some of your aviation related yes. jokes that you got going on. And we are so excited to hear them. Uh, at least I am. Um, I am too. Okay, good. <laughs> um, and yeah, we cannot wait to get more emails and contact from you guys out there. Um, yeah, I think that's all we got this week. Uh, we will see you next week, Tuesday, yeah, for the release of episode number three of Through the Clouds podcast. Make sure you follow us on social media at TT Clouds Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. We're actually going to do a Q&A over on Instagram this week, and your questions will appear in our show. So make sure you check us out there. Yeah. Uh, without further ado. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you next week. Yeah.